Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another episode of The Wings Nest. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't looked at the standings by now, we are in basically a dead heat coming down to the final two weeks of this 2013 NLL season. Your Wings needing desperately to win this weekend, losing five in a row going into Rochester. They lose this game by a count of 14 to seven, giving them six losses in a row. Something that you know we've seen and make call it a coincidence, but after we beat Rochester, all of a sudden, uh, I'm sorry, not Rochester, we beat um after we beat Colorado, we ended up losing six in a row last year, counting the playoff game, and we did the same thing again this year. Um a slow start again for the Philadelphia Wings in the Rochester game. Not one of our players had any more than one goal apiece. We had seven different goal scorers in that game. Um, Rochester just got stronger and stronger as the game went on, Um, giving us another loss, giving the Rochester Nighthawks the tiebreaker over us should we end up in a tie for whether it be second place or whether it be for a final playoff berth. Rochester now has that tiebreaker by defeating us 14-7. to What is irritating about this loss in general is this makes the sixth loss this season that the Wings have lost by five or more goals. They've lost to Toronto by five, 13-8. They've lost to Washington, 16-10. to Calgary doubled us up, 16-8. to Rochester beating us 14 to 7 this past week and 20 to 10 in a prior week it just you know it just kept on going then you had the Minnesota game the 20 to 11 so there there's your your six games by five or more goals we only have two losses when it's when it comes down to close games so if the game's close the wings are going to come out on top of it the majority of the time here um but it just seems like when we fall behind. We start forcing shots. We're not driving the middle like we do at any other point in time in the game. Um, when Brett Manning comes on, I'm going to present this to him. I'm going to ask him this. It, it just seems like there's two two different styles. When you know the team is down, but you know when we get down by four goals, it seems like that we're pushing shots in from the outside. We're not driving the middle. When the game is close, we seem to be pushing into the middle and going, diving across the crease, you know, breaking that so-called wall in front of the goaltenders, you know, diving across, trying to draw the penalties. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if it's just the way the game is being played, the way it's being done, but it seems like if we push into the middle, we drive across the front of that crease, we're going to score, we're going to win, win these games, and that's what's been happening. But we turn around on Sunday. They come home, 4 o'clock game, against the Minnesota Swarm. You can call this a revenge game if you want, after, I guess you could say, the embarrassment of of a 20-11 uh, defeat at the hands of the Minnesota Swarm, Swarm a week beforehand. Um, in this game, the Wings started out with basically the best first quarter, um, I would say, of, of the year. They just totally outplayed the Minnesota Swarm, outscored them by a count of 5-2 to two in that first quarter, uh, with Kevin Crowley scoring the final two goals in that in that first quarter. Um, you know, you got Kevin Crawford, you know, Kevin Ross, Kevin Buchanan, Paul Rabel all, you know, scored. Crawford opened it up for Minnesota, then the Wings notched three in a row, take the 3-1 lead, and held on to it until the end of the first quarter. 
The second quarter rolled around. It just seemed like, as people would say, Tech just had a total brain fart. Something, don't know what happened, but they were outscored 6-1. to one. That last goal being basically a shot from the blue line in hockey. It was just fired in by Jake Hart, past Brandon Miller. Um, it happened down by my end of of the arena. That's where the, uh, the goal was scored. And to me, when I watched the play, it looked like, you know, Card went to go, you know, he faked the pass over to his left, making Brandon move that way, and he just pulled it back real quick and just, fought, you know, fired it straight straight into the net. Um, and that all came with four seconds to go. Minnesota called the timeout after they got possession. They set it up. As soon as the ball was deemed in play, he faked the pass, you know, over to his left and just pulled it right back and fired it that quickly past Brandon Miller. Um, that almost seemed like it was the the dagger in in the entire season. Um, being out on the concourse at halftime, you know, you heard, you know, you hear some fans saying, "That's it. There's nothing left in this team. They just, you know, are totally out of it. That last goal just proves it." And I'm I'm sitting there saying, "No." I said, "They're, they're not going to go. They're, they're not going to go out like this. They're going to come back. They're going to do what what needs to be done." In in this game, well, lo and behold, that's exactly what they did. When we started the third quarter, the Wings came right out and scored the first three goals. The first coming at 56 seconds from Kevin Crowley, then at the 2:50 mark and the 4:30 mark by Drew Westervelt and Paul Rabel. Um, that right there propelled the Wings into a 9-8 lead. After being down 8-6, they shot up and they went up 9-8. And you know you could you could sense the momentum switching over to the wings. You could you could feel it going through the arena, the, the crowd starting to to get back into it, and yeah, you know, the the fans that were there just getting louder and louder, just you know pushing the team, doing doing what they can. Um, but then Minnesota comes back, and you know they alternated goals, the last three goals um, with Kyle Matisse, Drew Westervelt, and then Matt Gibson scoring at 11:34. Um, and that brought that right there brought the game into um, excuse me a ten ten uh, game being tied at ten apiece going into that fourth quarter. And this is where the Wings just came out and did did what they had to do. Minnesota jumped out, made it eleven ten just with over two minutes in, into the fourth quarter with Shane Jackson getting his goal. Um, then the Wings tied it up at the 525 mark with Kevin Buchanan and then Calum Crawford for the Minnesota Swarm at 808. And this is where all all the excitement happened at, at this point in time. After Calum Crawford's goal at 808, which was a power play goal, um, giving them a 12-11 lead, in which Minnesota went 6-for-8 on the power play. Six for eight. That's seventy-five percent on the power play, and the Wings went zero for four. So that's you know really you know it hurts, but you know thank God they came out with, you know with the win. But after Kalen Crawford's goal at, at the eight oh eight mark, thirty-one seconds later, you had Kyle Hartzell put one in to tie the game up. Then at nine fifty, Mike Manley scoring his first career goal in the NLL, um, putting the Wings up. Uh, by a count of 13 to 12, then Drew Westervelt basically locking the game up himself, scoring at 10:23 and at 10:55, two goals within 32 seconds by Drew Westervelt, um, pushing the Wings up to a 15 to 12 lead. Um, Kamati scoring one at 11:21, and then that 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 was all the scoring in the game right there. Uh, the Wings defense stood strong. Brandon Miller stood strong in the game, just putting up that brick wall, giving the Wings that 15-13 to 13 victory. Um, with that being said, the Wings' magic number to clinch a playoff spot is down to one. Any combination of a Wings win and a Bandits loss, the Wings are in the playoffs. But I believe there will also be other scenarios in here as well. Um, if the um, Minnesota Swarm and the Colorado Mavericks, they play each other the last two weeks of the season. If one of them 
loses both games, the Wings will also earn earn a playoff spot should Buffalo continue to win. Um, but you, you look at it, a Wings win, and they, they will get the spot over the Buffalo Bandits because they do hold the tiebreaker over Buffalo. So Wings win on, on Saturday against the Toronto Rock, and they clinch one of the final four playoff berths. What's going to make this game extremely tough is that, yes, the Toronto Rock have clinched a playoff game, playoff position, I should say. They have also clinched the NLL East. So any playoffs, for as long as Rochester is in it, the first two rounds will go through the East, will go through Toronto, should they get past round one. Now, a Toronto win on Saturday will lock up the best record in the NLL, meaning for as long as Toronto is in the playoffs, as we know, every game will be played there that they are in. They will not travel. They will stay at home, and every game, for as long as they're in the playoffs, will go through the ACC Center, should they win on Saturday against the Wings. Now, should Toronto lose, it drops them to 10-6, and six, and they will have to sit and play a waiting game because they do not play on the 20th. There are no more games for them. This is their last game of the year. Over in the West, you have the Edmonton Rush. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll do this in order. The Calgary Roughnecks, the Edmonton Rush, and the Washington Stealth, all at 8-6. and six. I did it in that order for the, for the one reason. Calgary has the tiebreaker over Edmonton and Washington, should they stay with the same record. But Edmonton has the tiebreaker over Washington. So as we know from back in 2008, when you had four teams at 10-6, and six, one of them being the Wings, the Wings lost all those tiebreakers, and they ended up being a four seed. So right now, if Edmonton, Calgary, Edmonton, and Washington all match each other through the rest of the way and have that record, that's how they're going to finish, one, two, and three. Calgary in first, Edmonton second, Washington third. But like I said, what's going to make this real interesting is this week – Buffalo travels to Washington. Washington has two more home games. They're playing the Buffalo Bandits, who, in my opinion, I think have basically mailed the season in. They were completely embarrassed. Embarrassed 21-7. to You want to come on me and say, well, yeah, the Wings lost 20-11, so isn't that an embarrassment as well? Yes, it is, but the Wings had some kind of a fight. We didn't have our starting goaltender, um, on Buffalo's defense, okay, they had Curtis Wagner in the net after Anthony Cosmo got hurt. But Curtis is an established NLL goalie um, with less than actually three full games of playing time because he's been a backup his, his, you know, his whole career, basically. But he still has more NLL experience than Angus Dinley has for the Philadelphia Wings. Plus, Buffalo is supposed to have this defense and this strong offense, and it just it just seemed like they just gave up at at one point in time. They weren't doing anything. The age of the team is showing, um, with Johnny Tavares showing. Um, Luke Wiles in the lineup again, very ineffective, not doing a thing. Um, Mark Stainhouse not doing anything as well. He, his season is is out. Who knows where? Because he's way off his his average that you know that he would normally get. Um, Aaron Wilson and Sean Williams are the ones that are basically help, you know keeping the team afloat you know where they are right now, along with Dane Smith. But it just seems to me that Buffalo has basically mailed it in right now. Um, we'll be able to tell this week when they go to Washington how how they play against the Washington South. Um, you know, do you know? Do they really understand that? Hey, they need this game to, you know, even stand a chance at getting a playoff spot, or are they just going to play out the string and worry about getting a high draft pick and worry, you know, look forward to 2014. But then the following week, Washington's got to play Philadelphia, the last game of the season. The Wings go to Washington. Um, when I talked to the vice president and GM of the Stealth when they were in town. Um, he said that you know, hopefully the game won't mean anything, but if it does, he goes, we are going to be facing a very, 
different Wings team. They will have, or they should have, as he said at the time, everybody back healthy. And that meant Brendan Mundorf, Brett Manny, Jeff Reynolds, Brody Merrill. So you're looking now at all those guys being in the lineup as opposed to not being in when we first played the Washington South. So, yes, it will be a different game. Um, will it mean anything for the Wings at the time? We we don't know. As of right now, yes, it will. Um, from when I look when I look at the standings right now, should the Wings win out, they win these last two games. It'll put them at eight and eight. The Rochester Nighthawks right now are in second place at six and seven, but they have three more games on the road. That's where they that's where they're finishing their season on the road. They have a back to back this weekend with the Calgary Roughnecks and the Edmonton Rush. Personally, I don't see them beating Calgary. I really don't, but Calgary's been hot and cold at the Scotiabank Saddledome, but I don't see them beating beating Calgary. The game they possibly could win would be the Edmonton Rush game. Edmonton is 1-5 at home. Don't know why they're doing so bad. The whole league is doing bad at home. Um, I did an article this morning on inlacrossetrust.com, and it's titled Home Floor Disadvantage. So if you get a chance... Go to inlacrossetrust.com. There's my article in there. I put some things in there about what what is going on through the season, um, some things that have gone on over the past 12 months. Um, For example, Nick Rose, the Toronto Rock goaltender. He was picked up prior to the the trade deadline last year from Calgary. He was a backup in Calgary. The last six games he played with Toronto regular season, he went 5-1. This year, he is 10-4. So that gives him a 15-5 and record over the last 20 games in the National Lacrosse League. But add in his gameplay this past summer in the Western Lacrosse Association with the Coquitlam Adnacks. There he went 10-6 and with a 7.53 goals against average. So you're looking at somebody who was going 25-11 and in his last 36 games of indoor lacrosse, going from the you know NLL to the to the WLA, that is pretty damn good. Um, so he had, he's had a very productive twelve months. Um, so you know you look back at all that, you could see how Nick Rose has matured into a starting goaltender position and has been become the I guess you could say the rock for for the Toronto Rock in you know in between the pipes. Um, also, I've noted in there about Mark Matthews. Um, obviously, he's going to be the rookie of the year the way he's playing right now. Um, he's also only two goals away from tying John Grant Jr.'s rookie record of 38 goals in a season. He needs three to break it, two to tie. He's got two more games, and they're both at home. So it looks like you know he should be breaking this at home, most likely, I would say, against Rochester this you know, this Sunday afternoon. And yeah, I just have you know some other things about you know the wings with the American you know push that they that they went through. Um, yeah, it's it's all in there. Read it. I think I did a pretty good job. Let me know. Leave, leave a comment. You know, I'll reply back. Uh, but go to inlacrossetrust.com. There's the article on there. I have other articles up there as well, along with the the power rankings that I do each week, uh, a wings preview for the weekend games, and the recap as well. So go ahead, read it. And there's some other. Interesting articles, too, by other staff writers uh, from InLacrosseWeTrust.com. But as I was saying, with these the home teams this year, they you're looking at a 25-38 and 38 record when teams are playing at home. It's just unbelievable. When you look at some of the numbers, Minnesota is 1-6 at home. Right now, the Edmonton Rush are 1-5. There's only two teams that are going to be above, possibly above, one team definitely above 500 for a home uh, home home record, and one possibly. Got the Toronto Rock, who finished at five and three at home. Washington right now is four and two, but they have two more games left to play at home, so they could easily go four and four, but they would have the second best. Home home record at four and four. Everybody else is either three and five, one and six, 
two and five right now with another one to go. Best Buffalo could do at home is three and five. But then you go on the road, and everybody right now is either above 500 or they're at three and four with a game to go with a chance to be at 500. Or, you know, you know, so it's it just seems like it's been a road kind of year. If you go on the road, it seems like you're you're going to win. Teams going on the road, you're looking at 38 and 25. That's just unbelievable. At you know, at, at the way things are going in the NLL. But with like I said, with your Philadelphia Wings, they got two big two big games left in their season. Um, this week it's the Toronto Rock. It's Fan Appreciation Night. Um, everybody will get a Uts team poster to be signed by the players at the end of the game in the concourse. Um, so be sure to get get that and you know see the guys, wish them luck for the last you know regular season game, and hopefully, if things go right, we get a bounce here. You know, we get a bounce there. Um, we'll have a home playoff game. We went out, we're 8-8. Eight and eight. If Rochester, for that to happen, we went out, we're 8-8. Eight eight. Rochester, at the best for that for us to get the home playoff game, has to go 1-2. and Because we have to beat them outright in the standings. We need to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They, That means they would go 7-9. and nine. We'd have that home playoff game, we'd be hosting Rochester. Um, if we split the last two games... That would mean Rochester would need to go 0-3, which that is very possible as well. Because, like I said, they have back-to-back this weekend. They got Saturday night in Calgary and Sunday afternoon in Edmonton. Then on the 20th, they travel to Buffalo. And for all the lacrosse fans, we know how bad when, uh, when Rochester and Buffalo get together, no matter where it is, there's there's bound to be at least, at the very least, one brawl in the game. At the least, if not a bench clearing brawl. So who knows, you know what's you know what's going to happen. Um, with with that being said, Buffalo's last two games are in Washington this week, and at home to Rochester. The Wings have a game with Toronto this weekend, 4:30. It'll be on the CBS Sports Network channel for, for this Saturday, and then next week they're in Washington Washington to face the Stealth. You go over into the West, and that's where things are really interesting. Because, as I said, right now you got Colorado and Edmonton. I'm sorry, Colorado and Minnesota. Sorry, please excuse me. Colorado and Minnesota, both at 6-8 and eight right now. They're, they're two games out of first place. But they're both at six and eight, and they both play each other the final two games of this season. Okay, now it's going to be you know, a home and home, home and home deal. Uh, the first game is going, I believe, it, the first game is in is in Colorado, and then they go to Minnesota on the twentieth. Yeah, Minnesota's last game will be they'll be twentieth in Minnesota, but this week they go to. Colorado, so they they play each other two times. So somebody may be eight and eight, or they both may be seven and nine. They both may split. You look up at uh, Washington. Washington has Buffalo this week, Philadelphia next week. Edmonton, they got Rochester, and then with Calgary, they have Rochester as well this week. But then Edmonton and Calgary will be playing each other. The last game of the season, Edmonton Rush and the Calgary Roughnecks in Edmonton. That could be for the Western Conference title. And it can also be, depending on what happens with the Philadelphia Wings and the Toronto Rock this Saturday, it may also be for best record in the NLL, depending on what Edmonton does. Because I, be- I believe Edmonton may have the tiebreaker over Toronto, I am not sure. But I'm pretty sure all that will be coming out in the next day or so. Because um, obviously a Toronto loss puts them at 10-6. and six, But if Edmonton wins both games, they're also at 10-6. and six. 
So how does you know the Toronto obviously loses a tiebreaker to one of those three teams in the West. I know they don't lose it to Calgary because they beat them twice. Um, Washington, they split with them, and they also split. I believe they split with Edmonton as well. So you don't know, you know, where, where the tiebreakers land as far as that goes. So you can see how important all these games are. And as, as I've stated before in the articles I've written, and even here on the radio, I have stated this is going to be one heck of a ride. So buckle in. Put on your safety helmet. Do whatever you need to do because it's going to be a ride and it's going to be an enjoyable one. No matter who your team is, whether you root for the Nighthawks or whether you root for the Toronto Rock or the Washington Stealth or the Philadelphia Wings, regardless of your team's record, if you watch the games every week, you don't have to watch all of them. Yeah, you watch a few of them here and there and you, you look at the summaries of some of the other games that maybe you didn't see you can tell that it has been one heck of a season. I mean, who would have? I mean, look at the Edmonton Rush. Last year, every game was on the road in the playoffs. They beat a Calgary team that they were just manhandled through the regular season last last year. Come playoff time, Edmonton took them out, no problem. They just beat them. Game wasn't even in question. Then they traveled to Minnesota to face the Minnesota Swarm. They opened up, I believe, an 11-1 lead going into the half. They just basically sprayed Raid in the hive, and that was it. The Swarm the swarm was dead at that point. Then they go into Rochester. They go into the half up 5-1. to one. They're 30 minutes away from pulling off the impossible at this point in time. 30 minutes away. And then, as they like to say, the wheels just came off the bus. Rochester came out and just outscored them 8-1 to in that second half, um, beating them 9-6 to and, and capturing the Champions Cup. But it just goes to show you that if you catch, if you're hot at the right time, who knows how far it can take you. Rochester was 7-9 and last year. Um, they won the last game of the regular season, which was against the Wings. They were on a losing streak prior to. But that's where they, they started picking up you know, their winning streak. They had a home game. The last game of the season against the Wings was not you know was for not only the tiebreaker, but whoever won the game was going to host the playoff game. Well, we all know how that, what happened there. The Nighthawks won that game. So they go into the playoffs hosting the Wings for a second week in a row. They win that game as well. Two straight games. They beat us 9-7, the last game of the regular season, and then 14-13. The Wings fell behind early and staged a comeback and just, just fell short by a matter of seconds and lost 14-13. And Toronto goes on the road. Um, I'm sorry, not Toronto. Rochester goes to Toronto and pulls off a victory in Toronto. And by doing that, they had to keep their fingers crossed hoping that Edmonton would beat Minnesota so they would host the, the Champions Cup, which is what happened, and as they say, the rest is history. So, I mean, it's just, you know, with the road teams and, you know, teams that, you know, say, oh, well, they're 7-9 they're and nine, or they're 6-8 and eight and they're getting in the playoffs, it doesn't matter. Yes, we're a nine-team league, and eight teams get into the playoffs. So what? You have a crossover this year. You had it last year as well. And it may come into effect where if the fifth-place team in the West has a better record than the fourth-place team, which right now is the Buffalo Bandits, they would take that spot over them. So right now, it's very possible that you may see in the West your matchups could be you know, either Minnesota or Washington could be a four-seed over here in the East and play Toronto. Because one, two, and three are going to be Calgary, Edmonton, and Washington. That's going to be one, two, and three. Those three teams can maneuver around, but those are going to be locked in the, in the three. So the fourth-place team looks like it's either going to be Colorado or Minnesota. And then 
the team ends up in fifth there, most likely, you know, like I said, if they split, they're going to be both seven and nine. Buffalo needs to win out to be seven and nine. Which, you know, you gotta win in Buffalo. You gotta win against Washington and then win against Rochester. So you've got a lot of different scenarios going on. So I mean it could be really interesting. Yeah, Toronto could lock up home field throughout and they could lock up you know, they already have supposedly home field throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs. But if they have to face a team like say Colorado or even Minnesota, they may knock them out. And then everything is up for grabs because the Colorado Mammoth are playing extremely well with Ty Bellinger in the net right now. So they may be a five-seater Minnesota. The way they've been playing, they could be the seed that comes on over. But we have two weeks left. Some teams have three games. Some have one. Some have two. It's going to be a very interesting ride the rest of the way. Right now, what I'm going to do is um, I was able to speak to Jordan Hall after after this past weekend's game. It's a short interview, about three minutes. Um, just asking him how you know, the team has rebounded, how they've come together after you know, going on, on this horrific losing streak that they went on and the way they've been getting beaten in some of these games. And Here here it is right now. It's, it's a three-minute interview. When I come back, hopefully Brett would call in. Um, if not, chances are that he may have gotten tied up with, with coaching or what have you. And Like I said, this is you know the the minuses of of doing this. You hope that the players, you know, some players can call in, um, but if they can't, hey, you know, they can't. We all know they have they have a lot of jobs, and we're just thankful for when they can call in. So sit back, enjoy a little three minute interview with with Jordan Hall. This was right after um, the Philadelphia Wings defeated the Minnesota Swarm, fifteen to thirteen, and also following the charity auction um, benefiting the Chris Sanderson Foundation, which I will talk about when we come back from the Jordan Hall interview. This is Rocco Granado reporting live for InLacrosseWeTrust.com and the Lacrosse Radio Network. I'm here inside the Cure Insurance Club where the Philadelphia Wings have just broken a six-game losing streak by defeating the Minnesota Swarm by a score of 15-13. to 13. Right now with me I have Jordan Hall of the Philadelphia Wings. Jordan, the team goes on this... Yeah, Terrence, flip-flopping up and back. Two wins, three losses up and back. He just went on a six-game losing streak. How was it to, to get this team together and put the effort that we saw out there tonight? Uh, obviously important. Um, you know, clearly a streaky team right now. It's not something we want to be, but uh, at least it's going in the right direction right now with the playoffs uh, looming. Now, you went into Rochester. It just seems like the late, like, I would say six, six of our losses so far this season have been easy by five or more. The team getting doubled up. Uh, what I mean, I don't know what you could say the cause of that is. I mean, we have a couple games where we lost by one goal here and there, but then it seems like when we fall behind by four or five goals, the team is forcing shots from the outside, just trying to get something in on that, hoping something goes in. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're an athletic team, um, you know, and I think uh, we have a game plan, we go into it, and sometimes when things start getting scrambly late in the game, uh, you know, we, we really try and, uh, you know, make it attract me. And, and if you do that, it's a good thing sometimes because you come, you come back in games, you're pushing the ball, you're pushing the pace, and we have a very, very athletic team. Uh, but other times, you know, if, uh, if you're just not feeling it, it's breaking down in, in one spot on defense or one spot on offense, somebody's not getting off, then, you know, that's, that's going to look bad because you are playing fast, you are playing loose, and other teams can take advantage of that. So, it, it, you know, if you get down early, it's a risk you kind of have to take and, and you know, spit us in the butt a couple times. Now, the way the standings are right now, uh, it looks like Toronto's locked up first place all the way through with their victory this afternoon. Um, normally, you would think, okay, they're probably going to put in the backup on the next, for our next home game when they play because they really have nothing to lose. But you really can't look towards that. Uh, but this is like the perfect time, you would say, to start to get on that roll. Being a member of the Nighthawks last year, you went 7-9, and nine, and you got on that roll at the right time to go right through the playoffs. It's very possible this Wings team can do that same thing. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, I think when we prepare for other teams, a lot of it uh, has been internally. Um, you know, we don't look at, you know, they're, they're going to put in their backup, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. I mean, you have to make adjustments where adjustments are needed against different personnel. But, uh, you know, it's been an internal battle, I think, this year. And, you know, when we've played well, we've done well. When we haven't played well, you know, I think a lot of it's been on us. I don't think too much of it has been on what other teams are doing to us or vice versa. So I, I think it's really on us, um, to, you know, to prepare against Toronto, but it's more of an internal thing. I don't think we're really worried about if they're starting guys, if they're resting billings, things like that. Okay, Jordan, I want to thank you again. Good luck the rest of the way, and see you again next week. Awesome, you got it. Okay. So this is Rocco Okay. Um, again, I want to thank Jordan Hall for taking the time out. Um, again, that interview was done after the game and after about almost an hour, hour and ten minutes of auctioning that was going on. Um, where the Wings wore throwback jerseys from the 1989 season. The jerseys were were being auctioned off to to benefit the excuse me the Chris Sanderson Foundation, and there was just over I believe eight thousand dollars raised in in the in all the bidding that was that was going on. Um, I have some of the totals here. Uh, with you know, what some of the jerseys went for, uh, there was also a Tom Hollywood Marichek jersey, a Scott Gabrielson jersey, and a Dallas Elliott jersey that was in the auction as well um, after the game. Now these were game worn jerseys by the players, so some of the ones that were players that did play, uh, you got a heavy sweaty jersey. <laughs> so for those who got one or two like myself, um, one of them was sweaty, one of them was not. Um, I was lucky enough to get Ethan Farrell's jersey and also assistant captain Kevin Ross's jersey. Um, Ethan did not play in the game, so his jersey was dry, and my daughter was more than happy to wear that one. Uh, the Kevin Ross one, on the other hand, I had to put it in two plastic bags and put it through the wash at least twice. I'm not saying that Kevin stinks, but it's just from the pads and the hitting and all the smell, it's just it needed to be washed. <laughs> um, but I'll give you a rundown on some of the jerseys and what they went for. Um, Ethan Farrell's jersey went for $300. Uh, Brendan Mundorf's went for 675 CJ Costabile's 325 Mike Manley, 350 Kyle Sweeney, 400 um, Real quick, um, for those out there who are unaware of this, um, Kyle Sweeney and his wife, had a baby girl born, I believe it was two, three weeks ago. The um, the other back-to-back -back game that we had um, in Minnesota and Colorado that Kyle was scratched for, that's the reason. His his baby girl was born, uh, from what he what he told me, uh, this past weekend, 20 days early. So congratulations to Kyle and his wife and their, their beautiful baby girl. He had the, the baby at the game, and she is just simply adorable with a full head of hair and a big smile across her face. So congratulations to Kyle. Um, Steve Holmes' jersey, 375. Um, I won't go through them. I'll give you some you know, some of the names here. Paul Rabels was 875. Kevin Crowley's went for $1,125. Um, some of these players came up there and held their jersey, so that started making the bids go up, and people were battling – you know, for the jerseys up and back, which made it, you know, really interesting. Um, yeah, it's, you know, some of them just went for, you know, one bid that somebody put in. Uh, Joel White's went for 250 But, again, all this money goes to the Chris Sanderson Foundation. Um, it's a trust fund put in place for his two daughters, Stevie and Clementine. So anything that was bid on the jerseys, anything, you know, whatever anybody paid for it, they all know it's going for a good cause, and everybody walked out with what, you know, with, with what they wanted. Um, Brett Manny. Brett Manny and Brody Merrill's both went for uh, $600. Uh, let's see here. Drew Westervelt, 775 uh, Of course, there was some uh, fun competition between Drew, Paul, and um, Kevin Crowley on, on the bidding to see whose jersey would go higher. Uh, unfortunately, Drew, you came in third place on that. You got beat out by $100 by Paul. His went for 875 um, so Drews went for seven seventy five, um, and then everything else was between four hundred, four fifty and low. Uh, Ned Crotty four fifty. Um, 
give you the the alumni jerseys. Tom Hollywood Marichek's three hundred and fifty dollars. Scott Gabrielson three hundred and fifty dollars, and I believe Dallas Elliott's three seventy five. So a lot of people got what they wanted early, and some people held out to the very last second. They were probably they wanted the um, the alumni jerseys. That's what it looked like they were going for, and they were just holding back, waiting, waiting. And yeah, people got a Gabrielson jersey, a Marichek jersey, and a Dallas Elliott jersey. You know, the bigger fans there, you know, they want, want a jersey to, that they can wear to a game. Well, you're going to have to go for a goalie cut Dallas Elliott 1989 jersey, and that's what they they went with. Um, Dallas didn't play in '89, but they they made a jersey for that form. Um, I was surprised that there wasn't a Chris Anderson one made. I would have loved to have seen one there and seen what that would have went for in a bidding, in a bidding war with that. I would have loved to have seen that, seen what that would have brought in. Uh, but it just gives you an idea of um, the the unity that that the lacrosse fans have, not only here in Philadelphia, but even in Colorado, Minnesota, Buffalo, when they all do their um, the blackout for cancer. They all, you know, have their jersey auctions, whether it be for cancer or, you know, um, child abuse or, or whatever it may be. The fans come out in droves, and they see these throwback jerseys or special jerseys, uh, whether it be pink for breast cancer or, you know, um, green, the lime green for blood cancer we have here for the Headstrong Foundation, um, to the throwback jerseys for a memory of Chris Anderson or the Wounded Warrior Project where you have camouflage jerseys. The fans come out in support. They support these causes. They donate the money. Yes, it's a charity write-off, but that's in the back of everybody's mind. Okay, People will donate the money for a good cause, and you're looking at you're getting a player jersey. Yes, a lot of these jerseys that they get for these for these auctions that they wear, the numbers aren't stitched, the emblems aren't stitched. It's all basically like a silk screen, but it's put together as a game jersey. The sleeves, the shoulders, they're all I guess you could say two ply. They're they're that strong on there because they're being used for a game, but they're still nice. You know, the, the way they come out, and like I said, all the money goes for a good cause. So in Philadelphia, you were looking at over $8,000 that went with all these jerseys that were auctional. Now, like I said, I didn't go through every single one, but I believe there was a total of 25 or 30, 30 jerseys. Yeah, about about 30 jerseys were were auctioned off, and the lowest one was 250 and it went up as high as 1125 so you had everything all within the range, you know, where people were able to, to get what they wanted. Um, personally, for me, they put Ethan's jersey up there first. Nobody was really bidding on it at first, so I threw up a bid, and it stuck. And I walked out with that one. And was lucky enough to have enough money to go for one more. Because people always put a limit on themselves, whether they go with five or six hundred dollars, they're gonna say, "This is all I'm gonna do," and that's it. Well, when you walk out with one for half of what you have, you're thinking, "Okay, I could do another. See if I can get walk out with another one. Let me go for it." And that's just what happened. Now, I could have held out and went, and maybe I could have gotten Brody Merrill's, which has only went for six hundred, but. Who's to say that when I would have started bidding on it, that might have, might have went up to maybe say seven or eight hundred? Well, that's past my my limit, so I'm not going to you know. So I would so I would miss out on that. Um, yeah. So you got to look at it where what can you get at the time? I like Ethan Farrell as a player. I like Kevin Ross as a player. Liked him when he was with the Minnesota Swarm. So when his jersey came up, I was like, okay, I'm. You know, I'm going to go for this one. And then, of course, you see the other jerseys coming. You're like, okay, I should have saved it and went for one jersey. But I walked out with two. Proud to say that. I gave, you know, money towards Chris Anderson Foundation. Um, there were also fans there that were just 
bidding, and they said, okay, I have this much money. I'm just going to try to drive it up. And if I get stuck with the jersey, okay, fine. I don't mind bidding an extra 25 and then getting, you could say, oh, I, you know, it bit me. i got to pay for the jersey now. Oh, well. They have that extra that they wanted to do. There was also another auction going on prior to the game um, over in P.J. Willihan's on the concourse. That went from one to three. Um, that was kind of like a silent auction. You just write your name down on the paper and put your bid in of how much you want. And you're looking at anything from a Rochester Nighthawk helmet, game-worn helmet, um, which happened to be Stephen Keos from last year. Uh, a friend of mine got that for $75. Nobody else bid on it. Now, I don't have the strap, the chin strap on it, and it's missing a piece off the side, but it's his game-worn worn helmet, and I can almost guarantee you, my friend Dave, next time he's in Rochester, he sees Stephen Keogh, he's going to have that sucker signed, and he's going to mount that up on, on his wall. Which, hey, why not? You're walking away with a game-worn helmet for $75. They had shafts in there donated by players, um, the whole sticks donated by them. Um, yeah, I mean, you name it, there, there was everything imaginable. Uh, maybe some bobbleheads from the other teams or, you know, what have you. I mean, you could have paid $10 or something, 15 or 20 whatever you wanted. There was a lot of stuff there um, being auctioned off. And a lot of people went in there thinking, okay, I could either do that or I can do the jersey. And that's where I was. <laughs> um, I I st- stayed away from it and went with the jersey. But they were also selling shorts for Kyle and Chris Sanderson. It has the 35 on the one leg and the 17 on the other with the American flag and the Canadian flag on there as well. It's actually on the right leg is number 35 on the lower right, and on the lower left is number 17. The 35 is for Kyle, Kyle Miller, and 17 obviously is for Chris Sanderson and his Team Canada days when he played for Team Canada. And on that left side, on the hip, on the front part, you'll have the American flag and on... The backside of your left leg will be the Canadian flag with a uh, a gray and white ribbon going in between them, and the poles holding the flags are lacrosse sticks, obviously. Um, these went for $25. They're extremely nice shorts. Um, I like them. So, again, that money there going for a good cause as well. And like I said, the Winx fans – and all the fans in the NLL come out in droves when their teams do these types of types of auctions. And I'm proud to say that that I'm a part of this. Um, and even people who have bid and not bid, you know, you can always say that. Right now, I'm going to go to my guest who just called in. I know he had to be tied up, so I'm going to get right to him right now. It's your defenseman, your assistant captain, none other than Brett Manny. Brett, how you doing? Hey, Rocco, how you doing? Sorry, uh, had a game for Episcopal Academy and uh, just got out of it, so uh, tried to hop on here as soon as I could. That's okay. How, how did you do? Did they win? Yeah, uh, Varsity and JV both won over uh, Germantown Academy first uh, internet game, so it's nice to uh, get off to a one and zero record in the league. All right, there you go. You pick, you're picking right up where we left off on Sunday. You went on That's Sunday, crazy. the JV and Varsity you went today. Okay, you're, you're on a roll now. You're on a three-game win streak. Okay, That's a little, a little bit of momentum for uh, for the boys uh, on Sunday, kind of leading uh, into the coaching coaching atmosphere of today. Yeah. Now, let's you – know, we won't go into what happened the, the previous weeks. Um, you come off of this Rochester game. Don't know, you know what happened, just 14-7, to 7, the wheels fell off the bus. You, you're, you're coming back to the Wells Fargo Center. You know the crowd's going to be loud, and you're going up against a Minnesota Swarm team that a week before basically embarrassed us 20 to 11. And you come right out and, from in my eyes and in my opinion, played the best 15 minutes of an opening game all, since the opener. It was just yeah. total domination yeah. in the first quarter. Yeah, you kind of uh, hit the nail right on the head with uh, with those points. I mean, the Rochester game, I think, it was uh, a little bit closer than the score indicated. 
uh, with how we played and, and, and playing against them. And then, uh, you know, obviously quick quick turnaround and rest playing uh, the next the very next day at 4 o'clock. So um, I think that Minnesota, like you said, they, they embarrassed us the week before. And we were able to rebound. And basically it was just almost like a must-win game for us. Um, and beat them, and it was nice that our offense kind of got their swagger back in that first uh, um, first first quarter, and we're able to do some things and make it a little easier for for the defense. And uh, as a team as a whole, it was just you know there's a lot of good vibes there. So um, it was it was great to see that and kind of build upon it. We needed our offense to play play well, and, and they did. And um, you know, 15 goals. Anytime you score 15, you should win the games. And uh, that that that's what we did, and uh, extremely proud of the effort and the the hunger and uh, the grit that that we showed in in that game on Sunday, coming back to to win. Yeah, and and you know I talked to some of the guys after uh, what I was saying earlier after the auction that we had for the Chris Sanderson Foundation and and everything, and I was praising the fans for all the bidding and those who walked away with jerseys and you know did whatever they could to help you know to help this. Um, the second quarter just seemed like a total. Uh, like I said, I, I said earlier, a brain fart altogether, uh, especially with that last goal going in with two seconds left in the half. Um, but you know, and I, I said this, and I know there, you had to hear rumblings. Um, you know, you, you block it out, but I heard it out in the concourse. A lot of people were saying, "That's it. The team doesn't have it. They're not. You know, they're not coming back. They let up something like that. There's no way." But, yeah, I think um, what it came down to is like we we've always have felt like have been on the short end of the stick, a couple of bad bounces here and there, um, and as a result, uh, you know, getting some goals scored on us. And I think Minnesota had a great shooting night from the outside. I mean, we were giving them contested shots, and, and they were hitting on, especially with the power. Um, we knew that it was just going to be a matter of time until so we call it on. But we limited the mistakes that we did in the first time. We played them a week ago, but we didn't give them any easy goals. Uh, we kind of tried to cut down the transition, no loose balls. Um, we made them work for every single goal, and I think that's exactly what we did. Yeah, in that in that third quarter, um it just you know it just opened right up i mean you you can't you come out with three straight goals to take that 9-8 lead and obviously after that ninth goal was scored i mean i saw you and Kyle Hartwell out there just pump, trying to get the fans just more and more pumped up than they already were i mean just 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 keeping the momentum going and you could see minnesota trying like kind of falling back on their heels a bit cuz we you know we alternated goals after that but you know, we went into the fourth quarter tied at 10, and the buzz going through the arena, you know, had to be, obviously, you hear it on the bench. You you can hear the crowd getting louder and louder, and just when, after Caleb Crawford scored that goal, it put Minnesota up 12-11. From that point on, it was like a switch went off. Kyle Hartzell... Yeah. And then Mike Manley getting his first career goal. That was that was a very key goal in my my opinion. Mike Manley's goal because he stayed, he trailed that play and he stayed with it off that rebound. He just followed that play all the way through and he finished it right off. Yeah, and you saw what, what we're capable of doing when we push the ball and transition, and we and we use our athleticism to our advantage. And, and that's exactly what we did uh, with Kyle Hartzell's goal, and then. Um, right afterwards with Mike Manley's goal, that that takes a little bit of pressure off of uh, off your offense too. When you can get two goals out of the back end, um, you know, and and the way they did it, Kyle hasn't scored in a while, and and, and Mike getting his first one, you know, he would have got a hard time if he, if he missed that, considering that it's kind of an empty netter. But uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, just uh, the perseverance he had to follow that play was was huge, and 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 that goal was big for us. And like I said. If we're able to score two, two, three goals out of our back end, we're, we're doing a good job and, and uh, contributing to the offense as well. Yeah, like I said, with him following that play, and that's what I know you and a lot of coaches out there, and a lot, you know, players that are coaches and just coaches in general teach the kids follow the play through. Just because you know it looks like it's going to be saved, don't make that little turn towards the bench and come off on a switch because you know you're going to be now on. You know, you need the defense out there. Mike Bailey followed that ball all the way through, picked up that rebound. Carlson was definitely on the ground. There was no way Manley should miss that at all. He just put that right in the net, and 
I noticed right away that you know your guys the guys picked up the ball right away and said, "Look, we're taking this ball. This is Mike's." You know, for his first you know, first career goal, and I know that had to feel good for him. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, certainly uh, an, ex- an exciting moment in, in anyone's career to to get that 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 first goal, especially as a defender. And uh, you know, you don't get to see him much on, out there on the turf, but um, we do really, you know, in my opinion, are the best athletes in the league and. And guys that sometimes you might not uh, see them run, but they, you know, are extremely quick, uh, very fast guys that are running sub four six, sub four five forties, and um, you know you sometimes don't see that athleticism displayed. Um, but that that's how good we are out of the back end, and the guys that you know even that don't get the goals too are just that athletic, and and uh, we we competed, and that's exactly what happened. And uh, defensively, we want to be a defense that's forced to be reckoned with when ball. And I think that that's what happened. And, and even getting a couple of what we call bench assists is just sprinting hard off the floor to spring a Drew Wester or, or a uh, or a Kevin Ross. Uh, those are the type of goals we get to where it really comes from our D end, hustling to get off the floor to get our old guys on. Okay. Now, one last question real quick before we, we start wrapping the show up. You have the Toronto Rock coming in this weekend. Um, obviously a win and you're in. You're, you'll be in the playoffs. You'll have it locked up. Um, still have that shot for second place, but you know you need to win a couple games. Rochester needs to lose. There's a whole bunch scenarios there, and I know the concentration is on Toronto this weekend. But Toronto also has a lot to play for this weekend as well. They win, they clinch home field throughout the playoffs. So you're going to have a hungry Toronto Rock team as well. Um, but now they're going to be facing a healthy Wings team. They didn't face face us with. Um, Brendan Mundorf back in the lineup. So I know that's going to be a very big part of this game. Yeah, it's going to be a different different team that they that they saw a few weeks ago, and, and, I'm, and I'm sure that, that they know that and they're stressing that in the, in the locker room and, and with their leaders, with Tom Doyle and Josh Anderson and um, those guys, Patty, Patty Merrill and Chapman, that they're, they're saying, hey, this isn't the same Wings team that we beat uh, by about six goals uh, a few weeks ago. The team that was, you know, missing missing Brody Merrill was missing Brendan Mundorf, and they're going to be dangerous, and they're they're looking at coming off a big win and playing that playing the last home game in front of their fans. So we're going to be having a lot. Of, we, you know, we got to prove something. Uh, you know, not only to ourselves, but but to to the city and to our fans to to make sure that they they watch watch us compete at the highest level and take down the league's best team because uh, we did it. Way back in, uh, in January, we certainly are, are capable of doing it again on Saturday. Yeah, and, and no doubt, I know the fans are going to come out in full force, screaming as they usually do, try to pump you know pump these guys up as as much as possible and carry this into a victory. And hopefully, it'll be a stepping stone to what we can hope is a home playoff game. Um, now, real quick before I let you go, tomorrow night, Philly Lacks Live on the Comcast Network. That's at six thirty. Then the the repeat, no, I'm sorry, that's at 6, 6 o'clock. It'll be at 6 p.m. Then at 11.30, it'll be on Comcast, Sportsnet, and Brody Merrill, I believe, is also uh, is co-hosting with you and, and Scotty, correct? Yeah, Brody's going to be on the show. Uh, we have him for kind of breaking down the weekend's games and then looking forward to Toronto. Uh, and then he leaves the studio, and it's Scott and myself. We break down the, uh, the Philadelphia College rankings, and we talk about uh, – the high school across in the area, boys and girls. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, tomorrow night on Comcast and Comcast Sports Night. Okay. Brett, I want to thank you for taking the time. Um, like I said, I, kn- I understand. I know the fans out there understand. You know, you got coaching with, you know, Episcopal, and, you know, you got other things going on. So, you know, any time that you can give is always, always greatly appreciated. Um, I can't thank you enough for the whole entire season that you've been coming on and taking time out and doing this. I really appreciate it. I want to wish you all the best this weekend. I will definitely see you on Friday night. Uh, for fans listening, they have an open practice at Bryn Athen College. Uh, go to wingslax.com for the directions. It's an open practice. It starts at 7 p.m. It won't, will not be at Bucksmont. It will be at Bryn Athen College. So go to wingslax.com for the directions for the open practice and watch the Wings practice to get ready to destroy the Toronto Rock this, this Saturday afternoon. Brett, yeah, I want, to, I want to thank you, Rocker, for your patience with me. Um, 
like I said, I got a lot, a lot of stuff going on here, and I'd like to be on the show when I can. So I want to thank you again for your patience, and uh, I'll see you this weekend. Go Wings. All right, see you later, Brett. Take it easy. Okay, that was Brett Manny. Um, again, like I said, there are times that the you know, players players don't have you know their coaching or, or, or what what they have done. I got about five seconds left. Uh, tune in on Saturday for the NLL preview show. So until then, this is Rocco Granado. Thank you for being in the Wings Nest. I'll see everybody next week.